0: Hi everybody, my name is Michael Domingue, and welcome to Strange Tales of Myth and Magic. In this podcast, we're going to explore mythology and magic and fairy tales and wives' tales and maybe some snakes' tales. We'll take a peek at some of the strange legends and stories throughout history, and how they affected culture, and how they affected me as an artist. So sit back and let me tell you a story. This episode, Rex. The Christmas Dinosaur. Now, originally, I had planned for this episode to be about strange Christmas traditions around the world. I was going to tell you about um, the Christmas spider in the Ukraine, a magical log that poops treats, um, a singing horse skeleton of whales, and, and the Japanese Kentucky Fried Chicken Christmas Feast. In fact, I had the whole segment recorded, um, but it seemed, honestly, it seemed a bit impersonal. And and besides, my family had one of the weirdest, absolute weirdest hollow traditions ever, which was Rex, the Christmas Tyrannosaurus. That's right, a T-Rex. Every year, I can remember, up until the mid-1990s, next to the Christmas tree... Surrounded by presents, stood a five-foot-tall, six-foot-long, styrofoam dinosaur skeleton. I'll get into how this tradition got started a bit later in the podcast, but I guess it's important to start off by saying that growing up, our family, we were Christmas Evers. Basically, I I think you have two camps. You either have Christmas Evers or you have Christmas Dayers. Um, And, you know, as you might gather, Christmas Evers open their presents on December 24th, and the Christmas Dayers, you know, wake up in the morning and they open them on the 25th. Now, as a kid, it always seemed way better to be an ev'er because you got your presents early, and then the next morning, there was no waiting around, no matter how late the adults slept in, you could rush to your loot, and you could start playing. My mom's side of the family were Evers. My dad dares, and needless to say, I always hated going to my dad's side of the family for Christmas. You'd have to go to bed, you'd try and sleep, which was really tough. Then in theory, you would wake up the next morning and open your presents. But no, 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 no. Uh, and my dad's parents they didn't really start opening presents until the afternoon. You'd have a big breakfast, uh, chit chatty, maybe even lunch. Meanwhile, all those gifts that miraculously appeared overnight, courtesy of Santa, called out to me from under the tree. They taunted me. It was torture. Sheer torture. Now being an Ever had rules though. You can just start digging through gifts willy-nilly on December 24th. Um, so typically what would happen, you, after dinner, you'd watch some holiday special on TV. You know, Rudolph, Frosty, Charlie Brown. If, if my grandparents were in town on my dad's side, uh, maybe Lawrence Welk would be on. Um, next off, this, this is very important, you would prepare a plate of cookies and a glass of milk for St. Nick. And then, of course, the, the the dish of celery and carrots, those were placed on the ground for the reindeer. And then it would be off to bed. Now, you couldn't really sleep. That, that, was, that, that was really, really you know, tough to do, in and out of sleep. And then, at the stroke of midnight, Mom and Dad would come rushing into my room to alert me, Santa has come! Woo! My sister and I would come rushing out of our rooms and beneath the T-Rex and the giant tree we would turn the living room into a demolition site. Wrapping paper, ribbon everywhere. It was mayhem. And meanwhile, a strange blue glow emanated from the tree. You see, my mother loved flocked trees. And in particular, She loved flocked trees with all blue bulbs. There was no bulb on there other than blue. Now her reasoning for this was that she thought winter should look like this. And it's true, those blue bulbs in the flocked tree felt cold, which to her was important given that most of my younger years We were living in warm places, Hawaii, Arizona, warmer parts of California. So this was her way of bringing winter to us. When I was about five years old, I was given the task of holiday dinosaur assembly. And I was to do this all on my own. Rex the Tyrannosaurus, as it was called in the box was a toy made by Kenner in 1969, and it consisted of 29 styrofoam bones, none of which, by the way, were in any way, shape, or form anatomically correct. Now, the assembly really wasn't very complex. It was mostly just pushing parts together. The toughest part for a short little kid like me was to piece it together without it collapsing on top of you which happened time and time and time again. But with a few stabilizing assists from Dad and Mom in charge of the little bit complicated rubber band jaw, he was finished. He was upright. He was ready to go. The holidays could now commence. And speaking of this particular Christmas, this was the year that I gave my mother what I considered to be the best Christmas gift I had ever given. I say that in my humble opinion. You see, my, my preschool teacher was my mom's best friend at the time, Mrs. McGallister. And she had a couple daughters, and, and often I would go over at their house and play. Well, one day, sometime in December, I was over at their house, and, and Mrs. McGallister presented me with a white, one of those waist aprons, a white waist apron, totally blank, just just white cloth. And then she laid out a bunch of colored markers, and she took the black one, and along the waist, along the seam on the waist, she wrote "Merry Christmas, Mom, Love, Mike." And she handed me the rest and said, "Go to town, okay? Draw whatever you want on there." Well, I, I I'd been into art ever since I can remember, so woohoo! All right, grab the markers, and I I, I dig in. So what I what I draw, enthusiastically mind you, was sort of a graveyard scene filled with a variety of characters. Frankenstein, Dracula, there was a skeleton there, a couple devils, a headless man, some little ghosts in the air, and then there was a, a strange cyclops head sort of floating in the sky. I mean, perhaps it belonged to the headless man. Now, if you're familiar at all with my art, you can see that the in many ways very little has changed in in terms of my preferred subject matter and and my mother still owns that apron but to this very day she and she pulls it out every so often to show folks that that yes um i've had this macabre style for a long long time Most of the year, Rex resided in a dark corner of the garage, along with all the other holiday decorations. And then, sometime after December 1st, he would emerge from his cardboard sarcophagus. Now, his most glorious reincarnation came when I was nine. And by this time, we had moved to California. And this particular year was perhaps one of the top two Christmases of all time. The tree was traditional blue, with, of course, flocked branches. Next to it stood the Christmas dinosaur. But this year it was decked to the nines. It, it was covered in tinsel, there was garland woven through the ribcage. Um, there were a couple red glass Christmas bulbs that were stuffed into his eye sockets. And this just added a nice little bit of festive creepiness. And the final touch was a festive Santa hat capping his pale white skull. Now the reason this was such an iconic year, as far as Christmases go, is because the house was filled with family from from both sides. And, and if you ever if you've ever seen Home Alone in the opening segment where the house is just craziness, that was pretty much this year. Now, of my grandparents, my favorite were Grandpa Milt and Grandma Madeline, who were on my mother's side. And, and this isn't just because they happened to be Christmas Evers. They, they were just fun to be around, especially Grandpa Milt, because he had a way of making everything you did with him a, a lot of fun and a little bit magical. Well, this particular Christmas, Grandma Madeline and Grandpa Milt were driving up from LA, and they were running a bit late, which was definitely not uncommon for my grandfather. And it was a bit uncertain if they would actually make it in time for Santa's arrival. And because of this, I have to say, I was a little bit glum. Christmas was always better with them around. That evening, all my cousins and my sister and I were herded into my room to watch TV. The instructions were clear. Nobody, nobody was to come out or Santa might be scared off. And needless to say, we didn't budge. Now, in hindsight, of course, um, I, I realize that not only did this give the adults time to do Santa duties, you know, like taking bites out of cookies and things like that. But more importantly, um, it gave them a break from all the sugared-up, overly excited rabble of children. So in my room, we were all watching some some Christmas special and playing games until, one by one, all the kids fell asleep. And then... At midnight, we awoke to a loud thud. Something, or should I say someone, was stomping on the roof. I remember a a little hanging light in the corner, shaking with each clomp. Blump, blump, blump. And then came the sound of sleigh bells. Santa was definitely here. Now we all sat in there waiting, excited, but but, but petrified that, that if we peeked out the door, a whole year of good behavior would have been for naught. Finally, finally, my dad looked in and said, Santa's been here. And then, like a group of marauding huns, we rushed to the living room. A quick survey of the room. Bites out of the cookies? Check. Celery and carrots half-eaten? Check. Lots of new presents? Check. And then, to my relief, I saw my Grandma Madeline sitting next to my Grandpa Milt as he jauntily wore Rex's Santa hat. Now, now, it really was Christmas. Christmas. And I have to say, this was an excellent year, an excellent year for toys. This was the year of the six million dollar man action figure. But that's not all. Also, the Evil Knievel stunt cycle. But I have to say, that year, the best gift came in a small package from my Grandpa Milt. He gave me a small box, a very light box, seemingly empty, in fact, I tore into it, and, and inside was a note. Go to the refrigerator. I did as it instructed. I opened the refrigerator, and next to some saran wrap covered deviled eggs was another little box. Hastily I opened that. Inside, another note. Go to the den. So I rushed to the den. This time, a large box. Payday, I thought. But inside, that's right, another note. Go to the garage. So quickly, I scurried to the garage and there it was. Wrapped in a big red bow was a go kart. Now this was something that my grandpa had built from scratch, bits of scrap wood. The hood was made from an old trash can, and then it had headlights, which were made from like the caps of, of spray paint cans. The whole thing was painted bright red. Now, it had ropes, and not a steering wheel, it had ropes like reins to steer the front wheels. Now, it wasn't motorized. It, it had to be pushed. And, and honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if originally it had a motor. Um... But I'm guessing that idea might have gotten vetoed by my parents. Regardless, it was awesome. I think kids always want a cool grandparent, and my grandfather was that. Stomping on the roof, building go karts, it doesn't get any cool grandparentier than that. Now, unfortunately, this was to be my grandfather's last Christmas, and this really broke my heart. And perhaps it's because of his death that, going forward, Rex being displayed next to the tree was was more important than ever. With my grandfather's passing, a bit of my childhood seemed to to fade away. And, And Rex, I think, symbolically held the line. When the truth of Santa's existence became known to me, Rex held the line. When I became a jaded teen, Rex held the line. Year in and year out, a Tyrannosaurus Rex stood by the tree. Whenever we moved as a family, he was there. Arizona, Southern California, Northern California, and then to Montana. Now, I recently asked my sister Michelle what her relationship with Rex was. I mean, she was seven years my junior, and the tradition had, had been well established um, by the time she started her journeys around the sun. Now, what she told me was that it seemed perfectly normal to have a giant dinosaur, you know, standing next to the tree. It was just something we did. It was always there, so that's what you did. As time passed, each year T-Rex got a little bit more tired. Bit by bit, his styrofoam began to break down. It started with his ribs. Some packing tape here and some packing tape there. We we tried to hold them together piece by piece. Uh, then came his jaw, his his once flappy, bouncy jaw, just sort of sadly hung limply beneath his skull. And then sometime in the 1990s, close to his 30th birthday, he was no longer able to stand on his own. That year he was unpacked with, with every intention of, of bringing him back for, for another season. But pretty much everyone knew that the time had come to retire this tradition. Unceremoniously, he was placed back into his cardboard coffin and returned to his home in the rafters. In, in hindsight, you know, maybe we should have said some kind of eulogy, but, but nah, no such thing happened. He played his part, and Christmas moved on without him. Okay, so you've been waiting around to hear how this whole Rex tradition started. So, let me tell you. I was about three or four, and at this point, we were living in Hawaii. And it was Christmas Eve, and sometime after dinner, a man in a Santa suit, who looked remarkably like one of my dad's friends, um, came knocking at the door. Excitedly, my parents welcomed him in, and, you know, Santa did his ho, 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 um, and reached into a sack and pulled out, you know, a bunch of little treats, candy canes, things like that. I, I do recall being a bit afraid. In fact, I might have even cried. And, you know, after all, I mean, what kid isn't at least a little bit terrified of Santa? Now, my mother coaxed me to bring him the plate of milk and cookies, though I I actually think my dad slipped him something a little bit stronger from the bar. Santa asked me the usual Santa questions. You know, what do you want for Christmas? Have you been a good boy? You know, et cetera, et cetera. Then after finishing his milk or whatever he was drinking, He left, saying he had a few other stops, but he'd be back later, and then with a loud ho-ho-ho, he was gone. Promptly, my parents shuffled me to bed and bade me to go to sleep so that St. Nick could do his work. Back then, we hadn't evolved to being Christmas Evers yet. So, off to bed I went until morning. It was about 4 a.m. when I woke up, or so I'm told. I remember peeking out my bedroom door, and I saw the blue glow emanating from the front room. Quietly, in my onesie, I crept down the hallway. Actually, I don't have verification that it was a onesie, but somehow, this is sort of how I remember it. Anyway, as I was saying, quietly, I crept down the hallway toward the living room. Cautiously... I looked around the corner, half expecting to see the red-suited man hunched beneath the tree distributing gifts. Instead, what I see is a beautiful tree sparkling with tinsel, surrounded by a new batch of presents. And then I caught glimpse of something shocking. An enormous dark skeleton silhouetted against the blue room. Frightened yet exhilarated, I fled, rushing to my parents' room, pulling at their cover, saying, I think Santa has been here. Slowly, and somewhat begrudgingly, my parents got out of bed and escorted me back into the living room, where I caught my first glimpse of what would become the best Christmas present I would ever receive. What me or my family didn't know at that moment was just how meaningful that strange Styrofoam dinosaur would become as years passed on. As sort of an epilogue, I, I should mention that um, just before this recording, I contacted my mother to, to find out what ever became of Rex. I, I fully expected her to say that, you know, Dad had taken him to the dump years ago, but instead, she said that Rex is still in the rafters, in his box where we left him 30-some years ago. My sister said she and her husband are going to dig him out and actually try and repair him. So, it turns out, maybe Rex still has a few more Christmases left in him. Now, I'll just have to see if I have room next to my tree. Happy holidays and Merry Christmas, everyone, with or without a seasonal dinosaur. And that's it for this episode, everybody. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe if you enjoyed what you heard, because you never know what weird story might come up next. Um, Also, check out my website, MichaelDeming.com, if you want to see weird art that's often inspired by these very tales. All right, until next time, I'll be mything you.